Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the shows that shaped our childhood. I'm Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And this episode, we are finally, after what seems like about two years since we put this on the list to make, to make good, basically, <laughs> after, <laughs> after our Raggy Dolls episode, we are finally taking a look back at Puddle Lane. Yeah, now I was going to ask you about this, if, if we're sure about doing this one, because we might incur the wrath again. Um, look, <coughs> I'm going to say what I think about Puddle Lane. If Neil Innes' superfan is out there, you know who you are. Um, just just come on the ride with us, all right? Maybe maybe you won't be as disappointed as you were with, with Raggy Dolls, but I'm not going to mince any words. I'm going to say what I think. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll say what we say. Um, and if you still don't like us, then you do you. Um, but, you know, after we received some reasonably harsh, I think it's fair to say, feedback on our Raggy Dolls episode, um, we we decided to try and make good by, by doing Puddle Lane. And then all sorts of shit happened and all sorts of other shows, quite frankly, um, raised their head. Some of you guys wrote in and requested for us to do stuff as well. So this kind of got backburnered for a bit, but we got here eventually. Um, it it was one that I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. It was kind of on our list anyway, but we shot it at the top of the list um, because Puddle Lane was actually quite a huge part of, of my childhood. I, I've mentioned many, many times on this show, I was a big reader as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, Puddle Lane was a huge part of that as well. Like these, not not so much the show. I remember the show as well, but what I really remember were the books. Yeah. Um, and I remember that there was a TV show that went with the books. I couldn't remember much about it, so I was quite interested to go back and, and take a look at it. Um, yeah. But for me, you know, Puddle Lane will, first and foremost, always be a, a book series. You know, they were they were early readers. They were kind of split into levels because um, yeah. you had Puddle Lane and then there was um, there was Gin 360 as well, when they were or Gin 360 or whatever you Something said. Like that, yeah, yeah and, and they were all kind of the same thing. But Puddle Lane was always my favourite um and and so yeah i was i was keen to dive in to to take a look at this um it's not at all what i remember it being and and i remember very little about it anyway but it's not at all what i remember it being so that was interesting to start with i mean i don't know about you because i, I mean i was very young when puddle lane was on so i mean you must so have been was, tiny i mean it, it ran from 85 to 89 so i i remember it obviously i, I probably picked up the tail end of it um but yeah i mean i i have vague recollections of it i remember it being on i remember do you remember you used to get like stationary sets with like tv shows and yeah stuff? i had a pub I, I know i had one because I can, I can i can still see the ruler it was blue it was just a very pale blue with the logo in the middle of it right and i remember having that um so i it's, it's something that i remember being interested in or vaguely interested in as a child um and i think yeah again because of when it was on and the age i'd have been it was something that i could i I wasn't old enough to get up and change the channel, um, or to no. So if it was on, I'd either watch it or I'd be doing something else, but it would still be on. Um, and yeah, so I I have recollections of it, but not any of the content, if that makes sense. Pretty much the same as me then. Like I remembered there was a TV show. Um, I've I found conflicting information as to whether the books or the TV show came first. I always thought the books were first. I thought the books were first. I have I thought, seen. I thought the, because um, Sheila McCulloch did the books. I think they came first. I think the books were based on that. Yeah, I, I got the impression the show was based on the books. However, 
I have seen it cited as being the other way around, uh, of saying that the books yeah, were based I'm, on the TV series. I don't think yeah, that I'm was just, the case, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of looking at it now on the, on the wiki page, and it says along the lines of the um, the text were based on the animated shorts within the, the series, but I don't, I didn't think that was I, the case. I don't think that is the case, and I have seen it. So I've seen that article. I've also seen it cited differently elsewhere. IMDb, for one, um, says right. that the show was based on the books, which is... okay. Which is how I thought it was, um, because thinking back to like Tiny Chris, um, I I seem to remember being excited about the Puddle Lane TV show because I had the Puddle because Lane the books. books, not the other way around. I wasn't excited for the books because of the TV show, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I remember we had a fuck ton of these books as well. There's oh, like fifty loads. of them. Yeah, loads. Um, I don't think we had them all, but we ha- we had an absolute buttload of them. And like, I didn't necessarily equate the two as being the same thing. Um, like I would have eventually, but when when we you know, when we first had the books, like they were storybooks, and I, I mean, I, I I was into stories from a very young age, and then having you know, seen stuff on TV, I wouldn't have necessarily equated that one was the other. Um, so I mean, I, I didn't have that you know, that thing of being excited that there were books of the TV show or TV of the books that didn't mean didn't mean a lot to me. It was the fact that they were stories, and I was, that was just something you need to get into. Um, but yeah, it's a strange one. I think that I've, I've, not, I've done very little research this week. I've been quite busy um, being ordered in work, so I'm, I'm just up to my ass in that, and not really concentrating on a lot else. Um, but yeah, so the, the vague bit of reading I, I've done, I was, I, I always thought the, the books came first, but then having read this today, I'm not sure anymore. No, neither am I. I, I'm pretty convinced the books came first. But if, I mean, look, if you're out there, you know, if you are the puddle lane guru the super fan then do do correct us um let us know which came first because i am interested because actually one of the most interesting things about this show for me we'll talk about the show in general a lot i do have quite a bit to say about it actually i've not watched a tremendous amount of this i've done about six or seven episodes like yourself mark's been a, a very busy week um but i have watched about six or seven of these um, but the main thing that stands out to me is just how forward thinking it is in terms of an entertainment franchise, um, because there certainly wasn't a lot like this, I don't think, back at this time in the 80s. This this sort of very much felt like the MCU <laughs> in, a little, in, a, in some sort of way um, when I was watching it. Like there's this whole connected universe between these books and this TV show that characters are going back and forth between. And then because the storybooks all kind of bled into each other, because it's all set around Puddle Lane, right? It's all, yeah. and it's all the various characters and, and the wizard. And that all bleeds through as well. Like it, this, there was a continual storyline through most, like I watched about yeah. the first three or four and then I skipped forward. And in those right. early ones, there's like a continuous story thread running all the way through it. Um, that seems very forward thinking for what is essentially the mid eighties. Yeah, and for what was effectively a preschool show as well. I, yes, it is. It is a preschool show, definitely. Um, it gets a bit muddled sometimes. I think. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think it leans. Um, and and it does this in segments. Sometimes I felt like it leaned very heavily into light entertainment, and then other times they seem to pull it all the way back and just put all this preschool stuff in one segment but yeah. then not really focus on it. I think the preschool stuff that's there is actually very good. There's a lot of phonics. There's a lot of, like, whenever they do a spell, you know, they'll they'll need something phonetic that sounds like, you know, yeah. whatever the spell's going to be. So they'll they'll spell things out. You know, I need something beginning with cut. I need something beginning with tut, whatever yeah. it is. 
um you know when when the wizard's writing in the book he'll always like speak out the words as he's writing them yeah. you know so th- there is some very basic preschool educational value um, yeah. And again, that that tied quite well with the books. You know, the books were there as early readers. They were teaching kids to read. Um, yeah. and, and so it makes sense to follow that through with the show. But then off the back of that, there's just all of the songs and the, and the fuckery, which, which don't get me wrong, are good. I, I think the songs in particular are very, very good. Just going to let that one sit there for a minute just so... <laughs> just so everybody can be a hundred percent sure that i said they were good okay the songs are very very good um not so much the theme tune but the songs are very very good um is it, and, and they're very entertaining but i just feel like they don't quite belong along with all of the other stuff yeah it, it, and, and it, it's kind of yeah it's got this weird mix it, it's half kind of knockabout comedy and half preschool educational show and I, and I don't feel like the two quite mix unfortunately yeah because either on their own i think is done very well like i said i think the preschool stuff you know it's got good educational value but there's not enough of it um and i think the, the puppetry for again for the 80s you know the, the puppetry that they have in there is yeah. is pretty competent like it doesn't look cheap by any stretch um no. the, the performance is good like every single one of them i don't think there's a bad performance in this thing i think toby it is toby isn't it yeah. yes it is yeah i i think toby needs to decide where he's from but yes um, he does veer very dramatically from welsh to irish to some form of punjabi he really does Birmingham. he really does doesn't he uh, <laughs> yeah because i i've i've only watched two or three um which i did this evening and the first one i watched is where they they, they make a magic wishing penny and in the the episode is twenty two minutes long. In that first fucking five minutes, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Because I couldn't I couldn't place an accent. I couldn't place, um, yeah, I, just, I couldn't place any. You know, the, because the way the way that Toby spoke, the the actual words were very RP. It was all very formed. Let no, it was all very formed. There was no slang. There were no abbreviations. There was no intonation anywhere. And the accent was all over the fucking map. Yeah, he's... I really did struggle to reconcile the two. Yeah, he's very hard work, actually, Toby. As I say, I think, I think his character design and and the puppetry is is pretty good. It's I, excellent. I, like you know, it, it's it's especially for the eighties. I ju- I just think the character himself is quite muddled, and that's that's from. I don't think it's from the performance. I think it's from the the voice. You know, which which okay is an element of the performance. Yeah, but I think you're dead right. You know, there there are times where he sounds very RP and he's very well spoken. And you think that's that's maybe because at the end of the day, this is an early learner's English language show, basically, yeah. is, is what this is. But then every time he, he veers off into that weird kind of whatever Celtic dialect he's trying to do, I think it yeah. is supposed to be Welsh, but fuck me, I think it's so. it, it, bad. It comes across in places, so it tends to come across towards the end of sentences or towards the of blocks of dialogue. Mm. So it'll be one thing all the way through, and then there'll be this lilt. It's a bit like the, um, the Australian Question Index, where all Australians, the, the end of a sentence goes up. It's a bit like that. He remembers halfway through the sentence he's supposed to be Welsh. And then turns it on, but rather going, oh fuck it, we need to do that take again. Ah, bollocks, it'll be fine. We'll just run with it. Nobody'll notice. Now, I will apologise to Richard Robinson in advance. He is still alive. If he is listening, which I do apologise. This is just our opinion. You may tell us to fuck off. You're entirely entitled to do that. But like I said, I don't think he's given a bad performance. So I don't, you know, don't don't get me wrong. I don't I don't think this is a bad performance. I just think there's something very muddled about that voice because I don't think yeah. the I don't think the RP goes with the character anyway. He looks like he no, should it, be it more mischievous be a, than that. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, so I th- so I think that I think it's that that's wrong rather than the Welsh accent that creeps in towards the end. Um, it's it's just that the two together really draw attention to each other. Um, yeah, and and I think you're right. I think it is supposed to be Welsh. You know, or maybe we just think it's supposed to be Welsh because we both are Welsh. So that's what we're maybe. taking from it. Maybe, maybe it is supposed to be Irish, and we're just putting our own baggage on that. But it it certainly sounds like it's supposed to be Welsh. And as somebody that you know, not so much anymore because I work pretty much exclusively in Wales now. But for a long time, had to travel the, the breadth of the UK for my job. I would very consciously mask what is otherwise quite a strong Welsh accent. Yeah. Um, so to hear that come through, to hear that kind of muddled Welsh come through, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I know what this is because I do this. So I, yeah. I, I think I know what this accent is. Um, but yes, it's not very good. Um, and it's probably the most annoying thing about the show, if I'm honest, because there were there were points where yeah. I was just like, oh, just fuck off. Just shut up. Yeah, like, and, and it's a shame because otherwise, as I say, the, the character is quite endearing, I think. Yes. Um, as are some of the other characters you get to meet later on as well. You know, you've got the cauldron and the well. They both, you know, they, they just look like they wandered straight out of Peewee's Playhouse, to be honest. Um, yeah. and, and I mean that as a compliment. I don't mean that as a bad thing at all. Um, and then, you know, you get to meet some of the mice and you get to meet the snakes. And there's all of these other puppets that will pop in as well. And they're all really, really good. And I think, you know, our, our two leads interact with them very, very well as well. You know, like we've said on this show several times, like one of the most difficult things for, you know, for a puppet show isn't the, the puppeteers themselves. I mean, they're, they're very, very talented, but they all know how to keep a puppet alive. Yeah. The difficulty is in the human performers selling that puppet. You know, and I think everybody does that very well here. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, that's that's good. Like I said, the, the songs are great. When, whenever Neilinus goes and sits down at that piano, like the, the songs are all really, really good. They're very entertaining. They're kind of silly preschool songs as well. So they're quite, yeah, you know, that we, kind of fits, you know, that fits what they're doing and that fits what they're going for. Yeah. And then we get the, the, the kind of interstitial story segments where they, where they are literally just reading a Puddle Lane book. Um, yes. Now, you mentioned earlier on, I think you took it straight from the Wikipedia article, they called them the animated story segments. I think yeah. calling them animated is a uh, stretch. Yes. They are, you know. So it's it's it's, it's just the, the, the still image from the book. And it's what, um, so see on CBBS they do that with Bedtime Story. They will literally have somebody reading the book and they will put um, scanned images over the top of the uh, over the top of the narration, so you're seeing what's in the picture book. But yeah, they're not animated by any stretch. No, they're definitely not animated. Um, I mean, the illustrations again are good. They, they're the illustrations from the book, and they look fine. Yes, they just yeah. I I feel like even with some very basic animation, it would really help. It, like, and I know that's a production quality thing. They probably didn't. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe they did just literally want to film the pages of the book because the illustrations are fine. It's just that. The way they do it as well, unless this is just the versions I've been watching, but it seemed to me like somebody had literally just fucking held a camera over a page of the book because yeah. the vertical hold on it was all over the shop. Like, it was yeah. it was shaking around everywhere. I thought I'd dropped a fucking E or something when I was looking at these things. <laughs> like, I felt like I was yeah. buzzing. And I think that's the difference. That's where they've learned from this by the time they get to um, CBS doing the bedtime stories that actually 
it starts off, so rather than you seeing the whole image on screen, it will start off with a focal point and it either it'll zoom out very slowly or it'll pan across so you get more of the image that's on, that's on the page. So at least you then have something to engage with as, as a viewer as opposed to a reader who's looking at a, a still image. And yeah, that's something they don't really do here. Um, and it's quite, it is quite annoying. And I think that's possibly my baggage coming from those um, CVB's bedtime stories and having watched those with Jess when she was little. And now looking at this going, oh, that's what this is. That's what this looks like. Except nothing is moving, and I'm wondering if my if my brain is sort of frozen or if my phone has stopped working. Yeah, and and I don't really know what the excuse is for that, if I'm honest, because we you know we understand aspect ratios and we understand how to pan and scan images and all of that by this point, you know, like taking widescreen cinema even and fitting it on a four by three screen is something we're doing for tv at this point we understand how to crop a frame so yeah. i don't know what the excuse is for that because yeah you're right just a tiny little bit of movement here and there would make the yeah. world of difference wouldn't it yeah i know we've talked about this on um we talked about game of moments we talked about it on, on mario as well that having that static camera having nothing happening in your shot you're better off just having a blank screen than having something there which doesn't do anything. Yeah. Because as a as a reader, we expect that. As somebody looking at a book or a magazine or anything like that, we expect it to be still. We expect it to be motionless. If I'm watching something on TV or on my phone, as it was today, if I'm watching a video, I'm expecting things to move. And when they don't, my the default thing in my brain is, oh, shit, it's frozen. Yeah. Something's not working. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why it does jump around a bit. I almost feel like they're doing it on purpose. It, it's almost like, you know, they've, they've made a point of having just a very juddery camera so you understand you're not looking at a freeze frame. Um, but it, yeah. it looks terrible, and that's probably not the case at all. It probably is just that they didn't really know how to do what they wanted to do. But Possibly, yeah. I mean, the bit that baffles me about it, and it maybe I'm being... I don't know, maybe my expectations are slightly too high, bearing in mind that I've already said this is very advanced for, for what it is in the 80s. But if we're trying to tie this into the books and we're trying to make this kind of multimedia franchise, which appears to be what they want to do, I don't understand why we're ripping pages directly from the books and putting them on screen because you don't want to show people that because you want them to go and buy the books, right? Yeah. So surely it's better to then animate a version of these stories than it yeah. is to literally show them the book. Now, yes, you may lose some of the brand identity in that because part of the whole thing is this literally looks like it is out of the book because it is. But just make it move so that it gives you something yeah. different to the book, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the, th the thing with this as well is that with the... With the way it's set out, they obviously they branched off into like audio book, or, you know, books on tape and stuff like that. Because it was a whole learning package, so the whole thing of having different levels and that they kind of went into that. And I think that the worry here is that they, you didn't get enough different for any of the versions. So Warren going, actually, I'm, I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy these 54 books and these 12 audio, you know, these 12 books on tape, and the VHSs um, of the of the show when it comes out. There wasn't enough in them to go. Oh, we need all three, all three versions of this. What no one would have sufficed for fine. Yeah, and I think that I think that's probably at the core of why I remember the books and not the TV show. I certainly know I watched the show and read the books. Yeah, but I know I'm I spent. Fairly sure we had a book on tape as well. There were books on tape as well. Definitely, there were books on tape. I'm fairly sure we had yeah. at least one of them. They definitely were. Because again, they were they were aimed at eight different ages and different levels of reading. Yes, yeah, they were. They were all different colors. So different yeah. colors were different levels. Basically, that's that's how it worked. There was like, there was blue, there yeah, was red, there was purple, orange, green. I was 
I want to see great. I think it went from level one to five, which um, Ladybird still do with their with their early readers books. Yeah, I can't remember so which kind of which color was which level now, but I know they were all different levels. I know yeah. I didn't. I've got some downstairs. I could I could tell you, but I'm, I can't be asked to go downstairs and get them. Yeah, I know I didn't give a shit. I just bought the. I I bought or had bought for me. I would pick them out anyway. Um, but I would always just go for the picture on the front rather than it's this color or it's that color. I would go for the one that yeah. looked the the coolest. Um, but yeah, it, as a as a learning package, I think you know it, it's difficult because it's kind of caught in this little time warp in it. Because five years prior, you know, if you go to like the late seventies, early eighties, then we're getting a lot of exclusive TV learning kicking off. You know, you're getting things like Sesame yes. Street, where we're going to teach kids arithmetic through through TV. Just you know, we'll we'll get the count on it, and and a Muppet's going to teach you how to count. And there was no yeah. kind of associated book to go with that or anything and then you know you go five years post you know once you get to sort of 1995 1996-ish we're kind of coming into cd-roms there and everything's all of a sudden like yeah. well here's animation and text it's all and music and you can click on things and make it do things and this is kind of bridging that gap yeah it's kind of in no man's land really isn't that it is, and and I think you know, it it seems it seems like it didn't quite pull off what it wanted to achieve, and I think if it did, I think we would be talking about it as a real pioneer, you know. But I I don't think you can, you can't really say this is the pinnacle of what came before transitioning into what came after. It's not like this is the you know the kind of peak of any of those things. It just it, it occupies this weird middle ground. And yeah. ultimately, that I think that for me comes because it doesn't gel as this unit. You know, it's not equal parts entertaining and educational. That's the yeah. and and that's what it's missing. I I think I think perhaps more interactivity is is where it's lacking. You know, there's, there's only yeah. that kind of two minutes max per episode where it's like right, let's write in the book, and the wizard's reading it out as he's writing it, but he's not encouraging the kids to kind of do it with him, you know, and... Yeah. and like, the the, the one I watched um, first was the one where they make the magic penny, and so he's got to find something that ha- starts with the same sound as penny, so he's looking around, and he rather say, oh, wait no, what, what's, what, what sound does that make? Where, what, can, what might I have in my kitchen? And those, he just goes, oh, pepper. And there's, there's, no, there's no call and response, there's no call to action for anybody watching it to go, you've got pepper there, or you've got a pencil there, or whatever. It's just, it, it's just... Right, this is what I need. Oh yeah, that'll do. And it's straight into it. It doesn't give the kids a chance to think about it. No. Um, and it was it, 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 there was a lot of that type. So, so with all the spells, when he's looking for ingredients, there was never that. I think when once Toby get it, got involved, so usually with the second or third ingredient, there was a bit more time because he was telling Toby what he needed. Toby was then repeating it while looking for it. So you had a little bit more time there. Um, I think in that one because the the spell made uh, made wishes come true. They need something that started with a wuss sound. So then they found a white wand, um, a double letter. Um, but again, you had because you had Toby there looking around the kitchen, it gave the kids a chance to look around you know, what was on screen as well, rather than just launching straight into it. So that that bit felt a bit more authentic. That bit felt a bit more like if you were doing this as a stage show. or, or yes, uh, you'd have the children the shouting at you. Yes, and, and pointing and yes. all the rest of it. And that's what it's missing, you're right, is that I, I think you you called it exactly the right thing there you're missing the call and response and actually when you think of it again the stuff that comes before this you know when you look at preschool tv before this and you're in you're in the land of rainbow play school all of that and and you're in the very um 
I, I don't want to say condescending because these are preschoolers we're talking about, but you're talking very much like, and what are we going to do today, boys and girls? Let's go through the green window and talking down to children and telling them yeah. things rather than encouraging interactivity. And again, you go probably slightly more than five years. Let's say you go 10 years post. And maybe this yeah. happened in a show before the one I'm about to mention, but I will forever and a day credit this to Dora the Explorer. I knew you were going to say that. Because it's fucking genius. It's absolutely. Right? Fucking brilliant. It is absolute. That show still blows my fucking mind today. Like, had I been a child when that was on, I'd have thought yeah. it was the best thing ever. Hell, I was a full-blown adult when that was on. All right, yeah. and I would still watch Dora the Explorer, and if I'd yeah. if I'd ingested some things I shouldn't have, then I would usually talk back to the TV as well because they encourage well, yeah. you to do that. Absolutely, and like we talked last time um, when we talked about Teletubbies. Um, obviously, have, uh, having young family members who were of that age where they appreciated that that was my that was also my introduction to Dora the Explorer, and much the same as yourself, be it slightly mind enhancing substances, alcohol or otherwise. That show is fucking genius. Yeah. And it's so easy to get lost in it. And maybe that should be on our list as well. It, it really should. And as we're saying this, I'm thinking, why isn't it on the list? But but yeah, you know, to, to bring this back to what we're talking about, you know, it, it would be if this was Dora then and the way Dora was doing this and would kind of set the template for everything to do this moving forward in the future, really, because most kids yeah. shows do this now is when they're looking for the white wand, they would address the camera directly and say, okay, children, what can you see around me that begins with what? And then there would yeah. just be a period of about 30 seconds where the children yeah. can scream at the top of their lungs, white wand. And yeah. then he's going to go, ah, yes, of course, that's right, my white wand, well done. And Although if you if you you me at that point you're screaming something else. On the TV, I mean, as soon as you said, as soon as you said what, I was like, yeah, that's got potential to go wrong, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, whenever you have things, like that, I always feel like a right thick cunt at the end because I've I, I picked up something else that nobody's picked up, and that's either me being some sort of savant and not being you know, inside the box with everybody else, or that's me going, uh, what begins with what? Credit card. <laughs> well, I mean, in my case, it would be me just being abusive. <laughs> we can't do that we've already offended somebody once yeah um but, but you know that's, that's why i gave that one a wide berth when you said it um but i i think a wide berth yeah i think it's unfair to criticize it for that because i don't think oh, yeah. that trail had been blazed but you know this is the difficult thing about looking back at these shows and that's the unfortunate truth of this the reason we do this is because one we do want to critically appraise these things through today's eye really you know and see what value it's got today see what cultural value it's got today what educational value it's got today in in this instance just like we did with teletubbies last week as well and actually you know i i do still think there's something here it's just very very dated and there's a very small kernel of something here yeah that were it to be redone today i think would be done differently and dare i say would be done better um potentially but... and i think that there's there's certainly I'd say there's certainly early kernels of, of other things in this. And you look at, as we've come forward, even to things that are like on, on, on Disney, things like Mickey's Clubhouse and stuff like that, where they, you know, they they have quests and they have to find certain things. So they have to find one, two, three, four things. So it's all set out. There are four things. So kids are learning numbers one to four. And then they're learning to remember. So they're learning what things are, but also learning to remember things in a certain order or remember what things are in a certain way. And they, again, there's a missed opportunity here. I think they sort of start doing it 
by introducing the spells, they first I need this, mm-hmm. and then you find that, and then I need this, and you find that, and it's you can you can see these early nuggets of stuff that's been used for fucking decades now. Yeah, and as you said before, this there there, there were things that you had you had again. This would have this would have drawn from things that came before, it and then other things after it have drawn from this. But I think it's it's quite you no. Know, there are some quite good things that have come out of this, and certainly in in terms of British kids TV, right up until the advent of Peppa Pig, at which point British kids TV ceased to exist. Um, but there, there there are things that have carried over from this, and the, and certainly the f- the format and the, st- or the structure certainly has taken a big a big cue from this. And I think that had we not had this, we would have struggled to see and you know, a lot of the things that came later. Yeah, I think you're right. I I think especially, and I, I mean I'm saying this as this being one of the earliest shows of this type I can remember that had um, puppets at this level of sophistication. Then right, as yeah. in they. Well, I mean, not... I, I think they they were very they were more or less spitting image puppets, weren't they? Yeah, they they were like they. I think um, yeah, I think um, oh, was his name Richard Robinson? I think mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was um, one of the spitting image uh, puppeteers. He was, and he would also go on to do things like Dizzy Heights Hotel, if I remember correctly mm-hmm. as well, uh, which also should be on our list, and I can't believe it's not. And ever since doing research today and seeing that name, all I've done is sing the theme tune from it. But that's a whole different show. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think this is the this is one of the earliest shows I can remember that had this level of sophistication in these puppets. And we would see it a lot as the 80s would progress. You know, we would see live actors and live presenters working with these puppets. But prior to this everything was a little bit more sock puppety you know everything yes. is, and again mentioning richard romson you know things like bungle is a man in a costume zippy yeah. is just a bit of cloth with a hand up it you know and yeah sophisticated versions of that yes but not not capable of the level of expression that a puppet yeah. like toby is and again you look, you look you look at him now when he does look very basic but for the day like you've got to take your hat off to that um, yeah. And so, yeah, you can see the beginnings of that here. You can definitely see it feels it really feels to me like somebody just kind of and, and I'd have to date check this. I think this might even slightly predate, but it feels to me like somebody just wanted to make Pee Wee's Playhouse, but they made like the really twee British version of it because yeah, it's just like here's some silly songs and here's some slapstick comedy and here's a bunch of puppets you know, and, and we'll yeah. try and do something educational as well. And it's not as loud or anarchic or, and, and, you know, it may even slightly predate Pee-wee's Playhouse because this was on when I was very, very fucking young. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't I, I can't remember when Pee-wee's Playhouse was. I'd have to check. Yeah, I, I don't know. But it, it just feels... It, I couldn't help but notice similarities between the two in terms of their yeah. format. Not Like, they feel like different shows because this is... This is terribly twee when you look back at it now. Yeah. This is this is very Middle England. It's very yes. kind of oh, puddle lanes, this kind of cobblestone lane, and there's the, the old wizard who lives yeah. at the corner, and, you know, they've got scarecrows and cats and dormice, and it's all very, you know, it's yeah. practically Dickensian in some ways, isn't it? It, it is. Like, to, to me, it felt a little bit like um, the, the scene in Sword, in Sword of the Stone where we first meet Merlin, and he's in his cottage, yes. and everything's just so... Ve- Everything's to hand, and you know he's just eccentric, and he has all these these potions and bits and pieces dotted around the place, and that's kind of what this feels like, especially with the cauldron. Once once he starts using the cauldron, the cauldron starts speaking back to him and stuff like that. It has that sort of feel to it, where it's like it's almost as if it's a pastiche of what, not even what sort of you would expect. That's a that's a Dickensian period to be like, but a pastiche of what Americans think that looks like. Definitely, yeah, it definitely feels like that. Um, okay, right. 
I've said nice things about Neil Innes, and I'm saying that name right as well, and I because I remember yes. Innes to rhyme with Guinness um, from the yes, last not email. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've said some good things about him. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to say anything bad about him per se, other than um, he's not old enough to play a fucking old wizard no. in this at no, all. No, this, this was the big problem I had. Look, and I didn't remember this for the first time out, possibly because I, I equated the magician to Merlin from Sword and Stone because I was young and stupid. Um, but yeah, absolutely, his face doesn't fit the costume, which doesn't fit the fake beard. No. Um, yeah, he he looks like he's about 25, trying to play someone who's about 70. I mean, he looks like he's just wandered straight out of a festival and just needs a massive joint hanging out of the corner of his mouth. That's, that's what he looks <laughs> He just looks like some old fucking New Ager. Like, he doesn't look like a wizard at all. He way, way, way no. too... And it, it, it's made worse... When we get the story segments and they're straight from the book and you see the wizard in that and he's got a full on grey beard and grey hair and Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't he wasn't selling the wizard thing for me. And it's a similar thing to what we were saying with Toby, isn't it? Where like it's all kind of almost there hmm. but not quite. And I, I think to be fair to um to him, I think had they not gone for that character design, they could have got away with it. Yeah, definitely. If they'd have made him I a more the, kind of funky wizard, then... Yeah, or just slightly more contemporary or anything, and not gone for that Merlin, Dumbledore, 65-foot beard, pointed hat, robes. If they if they tried to avoid that and just tried to make him slightly more conventional, they'd have been fine. I mean, where they went wrong, really, is if you wanted a wizard on your show, this is 1986-87, clearly yeah. he just needs to own a magic shop, be in a tuxedo, and he needs a four-foot pointed alien hat to accompany him and do dodgy dancing. Like, that's obviously that's where they went man. wrong, isn't it? <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, so it's... Yeah, I don't think that's a criticism of him per se. I think no, it's more not at all. Design. Yeah, I, um, I don't think his performance is bad at all. In fact, I think he's very, very good in this. I really do. I think he's very entertaining. His comic timing is great. He's yes. like he's slightly condescending to the audience, but that's not his fault. He's being directed to do that. Yeah, and it, again, at the, no, at the time in sort of the mid to late eighties, that's how you talk to kids on TV. Yes, it absolutely was. Yeah, it absolutely was. We can't blame him for that. And as I said, I think I think the music's very good. Um, yeah. I and you know equally, you know, I think Anti Flow as well, very very good. Like they they're both great. Um, yeah. although. I know it's me, and I know you wouldn't get it as a kid, but every time he said he was going to get a visit from Auntie Flo, I'm just yeah. like, come on, guys. Really? I know. that You, you get the feeling that that's such an easy hit, and you think, really? You you could do better than that. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Because I'm, and, but I'm, and again, I think that that's something we pick up now, whereas I don't even know if it had the same connotation that long ago. Oh, I don't think, no. I don't think it would have, and I don't think they could have possibly foreseen that either. Um, no. I, I don't think they had any idea what they were saying there, because... Honestly, if they did, I think they'd have played for it more. Um, yes, because it, it would be very much the, that sort of um, rainbow um, ooh misses type of uh, delivery. They, they'd have played for it way more if they knew what they were doing, I think. Um, but yeah, it just still, it, every yeah. time they said it, I couldn't help but just childishly giggle to myself. That's <laughs> what we do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think everything about it is actually really good. Just for some reason... It's not hanging together for me. And I want it to, particularly because I loved the book so much. And I, 
as a concept, like I say, the whole books to books on tape to TV, the learning package, the kind of multimedia interconnected universe of Puddle Lane, like the fucking MCU before there was an MCU of Puddle Lane. Yeah. Is genius. I just feel like they didn't quite pull it off. Says me, knowing full well that my parents spent a fucking fortune on these books for me. You've still got some yeah. in your house. I bet anybody of our generation listening to this at least had one, probably had several. You had a pencil, pencil lane? What the fuck? You had a puddle <laughs> lane pencil case. It's late, listeners. I've had a long day. You had a puddle lane pencil case. I know I had a puddle lane coloring book. I had puddle lane yeah. fucking curtains. I swear to God. Yeah. I swear to God I did. And wallpaper, right? So... But that was the thing that you always got. Like I remember, I, I think I mentioned this before. Like I remember having a fucking Portland Bill duvet and p- pillow set. Yep. That, that's what they did. They just put the, they just slapped the fucking image on anything. So wallpaper, curtains, carpets, rugs, bags, you fucking name totally, it. Totally, totally. It was the Wild West back then, though, wasn't it? Because anybody with a printing press could knock this shit out, right? Now, yes. look, yes, you would actually do proper licensing deals but also if you didn't there's no fucking internet nobody from fucking lwt or wherever this was made nobody's jumping in a car and driving to your fucking local market to find you selling knockoff puddle lane books no like it was a different world back then you could that was it somebody with a screen print just making fucking t-shirts this kind of thing yeah and, and let's be fair even if you were a bit worried about it you just make puddle lane books instead like you yeah, know, just a really subtle connection between the top of the year. You nobody, you wouldn't see it on first glance. No, you know it would be yeah, puddle lane, and and it would be identical. You know, but yeah. you could get away with this back then. But what I'm saying is, you know, I say it was didn't quite achieve what it wanted to do, but clearly it made a lot of people very rich. Like well, yeah. it must have because it and like it's definitely permeated culture because. Like, even if we weren't doing this show, like, you could randomly, you know, you could stumble onto a conversation in the pub with me about childhood, and somewhere along the line, if we talk long enough, Puddle Lane is going to yeah. come out, because I, like I said, I have fucking loads of things, and everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, I remember Puddle Lane. I remember. I had that, right? I remember this, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Just like everybody remembers, like, Spot the Dog and all that shit, just because we all, that was a shared thing that we had as children. Mr. Men and Little Misses, yeah. same thing. Like, we had these things together as an age group yeah. and it definitely became part of that like it's definitely permeated culture it's just to look back at it now i think it's a shame that i think it's very dated is what it is i think that's yeah. that's the key here i don't think it's bad i just don't think that it has anything to offer us now and it you know and, and yeah. when we did teletubbies last for instance we were able to watch that and say well you, you literally could put this in front of a child now and it would be yeah. every bit as valuable as it was back then. Yeah. This, I, I don't the think, would being be. That, I think the difference with that is that, obviously, because that's not set in any sort of reality that anybody would recognise, or any child would recognise, because they're not people. They don't look like people. They don't live in a, they don't live in a house or a flat. They, no, their environment is completely different. So it looks completely alien. So kids will gravitate towards that and go, Oh right, okay. Well, that's 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 what the Teletubbies are, and that's where the Teletubbies live. And whereas with this, even though it's it doesn't date itself in as much as it's not set at any particular time, so like you know, it's 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 supposed to look like it's medieval and all the rest of it. So you, it doesn't date that way, but it dates in terms of what they're actually doing and what they're producing. So again, this the one with the the magic penny. Um, it's like, well, who uses cash nowadays? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, good the, point. The, the, but 
But no, the the, the thing with like my, with my kids is that they, they know what notes are. They have an idea about coins. They know what they're for. They're just the things that you know, fall off the bedside table every day. You know, it's they don't get used for anything. But at the same time, if you were to make it today, nobody wants to see the fucking show about the magic crypto, do they? So you no, know, that's it. It is. Or that bit where where your kid nicks your phone to go over the shop and buy some sweets. Yeah, exactly. Like so, so I, I Never guess happened, kids. part of it, you know, is always gonna be there, isn't it? Because it's it, yeah. the, the the tangible physical asset of a coin is easier to relate to than you know. Here's a bunch of fucking you know cryptocurrency or, or something, you know. Um, so I think I think I you know kids are not all of a sudden gonna get a puddle lane episode about how to buy into a blockchain, you know. Like that's no. that's never gonna happen. I say well, never gonna fair, happen. That might actually be quite useful because I have no fucking idea how that works either. I mean, we'll get there one day, I think, probably, when we. I'm saying that now, and as I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking, like, do you know what? Yeah, it's probably yeah. probably going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, but... Oh, look, presumably you need money for that. I am granny, so fuck it. Uh, well, let's let's not get into blockchains, and <laughs> because I'll go off on one. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I know fuck all about them, so I can't join in that conversation anyway. No, no, uh, it, it, no, it's it just don't don't take me down that route. We, we you know we're, we're forty five minutes in. Don't take me down that route. We'll be here for three hours. Um, where was I? Coins and and dated. Yeah. yeah, so I think it, I think you can make allowances for the fact you know when we watch some older shows as well and like nobody's got mobile phones they've got to go and use rotary phones or people might write each other yeah. letters or you know you can make allowances for that that was yeah i think even things they're using a cauldron to make you know, to brew a potion so they work them and they, i think there's a there's um in one of them it was a question as to is he doing a spell or making stew or something like that so there's there's that type of crossover as well you so you'll still have that but it's again it, that again looks dated because nobody nobody cooks like that anymore so it's, it's that type of thing that dates it more than anything else yeah, but I think a wizard or a witch or whatever will always be associated with a cauldron, won't they? So you can, yes, yeah, you know, I, I think you can call back to that. I think what dates it for me is more the it's just the format of it. It's just so specific of like here's here's ten minutes of fuckery setting it up. Now we're going to read a story. Now we're going to do the educational stuff. Now here's a gag to finish, and we're out. And in the middle there'll be a song. And it and it feels very prescribed. It's it feels very like oh, this week we're gonna do the story about the cat that fell through the fucking window. So we'll work everything around that. And look, there was nothing wrong with that in the eighties. There's nothing wrong with that yeah. now. You would just do it in a more sophisticated manner. And it feels like it's not sophisticated at all. It just it it feels like, you know, we've got these puppets. And we've got these books that kids love. So if we just throw it all on screen and we make it make some sort of sense, then it'll be absolutely fine. And it is absolutely fine. Yeah. It, it's better than absolutely say, fine. It, it's I good. Say, it, it is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest. I enjoy, as I've watched a handful of episodes, I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. Me too. Given some of the experiences we've had recently, um, the fact that this is something I didn't really remember that much about, but I remember really liking. Going into it, I was thinking, oh, fuck, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be another one that really gets ruined for us. And I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more difficult with the preschool shows as well, isn't it? Because yeah, there's... Yeah, we're not preschoolers anymore. Yeah, there's less... I mean, let's be fair, we're not the target audience for Turtles or Thundercats either, but there's more for us no. as adults to take oh, out yeah. of a show like that. Of, of, of an older, you know, aimed at older children then, then there is a preschool yeah. show unless we're able to really dial into the charm. 
And yeah. that all comes down, whether you can dial into the charm or not, comes down to two things, really. It comes down to the economy of the storytelling when you're, when you're on when you're on these preschool shows, you know, because yeah. the longer you watch them, the more painful they are. So it comes yeah. down to the economy of the storytelling, and it just comes down to the level of care and attention and the love yeah. that's been poured into it, you know. So when we're looking at preschool shows, you know, you, you, occasionally you get a whiz bit, yeah, but then yeah. occasionally you also get Huxley Pig or James the Cat. Or yeah. something else that's that's actually been made with great love and attention, and even, you know, now nearly forty years post, still stands up because the yeah. level of effort that went into that from everyone involved elevated above everything else at that time, and it still stands then shoulder to shoulder with today's stuff. It's just yeah. not quite as sophisticated, and for this, unfortunately, it it just doesn't quite reach that peak because of things like. That just that confused format, just the, the confusion about Toby's character and the way the wizard looks, and all of these things where someone on set should really just be going, Yeah, well, I, I know he's Neil Innes, but he doesn't look like a fucking wizard, does he? So either change the yeah. character design or change the actor. Either way is fine, yeah. but do one or the other. And the same with fucking Toby. Like, yes, he's a dragon, so let's make him Welsh. Ha ha ha, of course. Right, well, make him fucking Welsh then. <laughs> like, and red. Yeah. Or don't and make him some fucking miniature fucking Tory. I don't care. Like just but but he can't be both. Like he's gotta be one yeah. or the other. You know, and and it's those yeah, just element of abject confusion. It feels like it kind of wants to be all things to all people is the yeah. issue. And it can't, you know. It, it, I think if it had real really dialed in to be in a Jack and Ori style preschool show of like look, it's ten minutes long. We're going to read a five-minute story, and it's going to be bookended by two very short segments with yeah. the narrator and, you know, who's the wizard one week. Maybe it's Auntie Flo the next week, and they're talking to Toby and the gang, right? Because it doesn't have to be the yeah. wizard either. Toby and the gang are what you're there for, especially as kids. Yeah. The humans can come and fucking go as long as yeah. all the puppets you, are there. Yeah, you wouldn't notice who's doing the fucking narration anyway as long as the puppets are there. Exactly, exactly. You know, get, get a song in there as well. Because why not? You've got Neil Innes, so get the songs in yeah, there. Why not? So do that. But yeah, just if they dialed that in, cut 10 minutes off the runtime, yeah. dialed it in. Because they are like 20 minutes long. Yeah, they? they're pretty fucking long. They're between 15 and 20 minutes long. They are, they are pretty fucking long, which is way too long for the attention span of a preschooler yes. as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like, it just, it, they're just not going to sit quiet for this fucking long. Um, so, yeah. Especially when, with, with, with no disrespect, you look at what's on screen in this as opposed to a, te a show like Teletubbies, which was about, what, 14, 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. That's full of bright colours and noises that preschoolers are going to recognise and that giant rabbits. I think there's not enough going on on screen for most of this show to engage that target audience for that long. No, it's the, again... Because it, it's actually quite dark. It's quite... No, you look at the... It is. I don't mean dark as in... No, as, but the colour palette and stuff. Dark as in, it's muted. Yeah, yeah it look, is. You, yeah. You look at that, you know, he, you know, um, the magician's in dark purples and dark blues and you know, the, you've got the run the fireplace it's quite dark until he does starts doing a spell and he gets that you know, that red light coming out of the golden it's 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 physically very dark to look at and that's not going to hold the attention of your average two-year-old no it's really not and you know you mentioned teletubbies again there i think they were actually knocking off 20 minutes those episodes but it comes down to the interactivity again Yes, it's 20 minutes, right? But you get, again, again, you get time for Tubby Custard. You get all of these things that the kids yeah. get involved in, like a fucking pantomime almost. 
Whereas the most yeah. you get in puddling with that is the story will be read to you, and then it's like, right, now let's write the story in the book. To yeah. Essa was the cap, for instance, and, and so they, he's writing her name like that. To Essa. And that's all fine, but that's this, again, this archaic learning model that they're trying to bring into the modern age by going, okay, we'll read the book and watch the TV show and, and the two go together. But the issue yeah. with that is, you know, I, I, I learned to read like this, but I did it with my parents. I didn't do it with yeah. Puddle Lane. My parents would sit yeah. down and go, to Essa. So I'm already doing this so you're not offering me as a preschooler anything yeah. at all other than puppets so show me the fucking puppets like yeah. but then again you get the argument that not all parents would do that whether it was they were too you know they were too busy or they were working and they had other kids or they just didn't fucking want to not all, all parents would do that so, so in some respects you know, this for some kids this may have been the only thing they got apart from school now i'm gonna sound like a cunt saying this but i don't care because this is right you're right. You could levy that argument at it. But then my instant response to that is, I'm not being funny, but if the parents haven't got time to sit down and read a 10-page book with them, they probably didn't yeah. buy them the 10-page book in the first place, and they certainly didn't sit them in front of the TV with the 10-page book and make sure they were yeah. reading it like good children. Like, no, they just stuck in front of the TV and got drunk. And left them alone, right? So yeah. then... Again, you're not getting the value from it because all you're getting is the story read to you. You need the book yeah. with you as well because when he's writing these things, he's writing Tessa in the book, but the words aren't coming up on screen because, again, they want to sell you the book. Like, if you wanted yeah. to make this a full-on educational TV show, then you follow the fucking bouncing ball as the story's being read, yeah. right? That's how you properly adapt Puddle Lane into a TV show and take you can take the fucking wizard and everything out of it. You want to adapt those books? Here's a TV show. We're reading it out loud. It's karaoke style. Follow the bouncing ball, kids. This is how you read it. So it doesn't have that educational value because that needs to be put in, rightly or wrongly, okay, I'm not judging anyone's parenting style here, all right, but rightly or wrongly, that needs to be put in by the parents, not by yes. the TV. Yeah, that, that doesn't fucking work. And it's not interactive enough to do that. Like, no, you're right. Now, yeah, you can get away with shit like that on ipads and tablets and because you've got apps for shit like that and kids can learn through interactivity and learn through sort of digital play if you like um yeah. but we couldn't back then because because no. tv didn't work like that back then this was hypodermic needle model stuff this was like message and receiver like we're going to tell you something and you're going to take it in you don't have any there's yeah. no feedback you know <laughs> This is just sit there. I, it, was, it would be on at a prescribed time. So the only choice you yeah. had was whether you were fucking sat in front of your TV at lunchtime on whatever day it was on or not. Yeah. You had no control. So, yeah, I think I think all of that was put in by the parents, not the TV show. And, 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 and this is the right way to do it. And I think, but again, you know, having, grown up, having grown up in a fairly fairly poor town, a very poor environment, I, I do know people whose parents never read them. Oh, absolutely. They didn't, have any, they, they didn't, know, they didn't own any books. And I think, you know, so anything they got from anything other than school, and you know, generally, and I don't want to make a generalization language, I can't know, but generally these people weren't that interested in school anyway, because that's not the way, no, that's not the way they were being brought up. That's not the way, the way they're, their family priorities were. Learned, you know, school was where you got the babysitting done, so you could go off to work or not spend all day doing fucking odd bits. Yeah, no, you know, it wasn't. No, yeah, that that was no, that was kind of it. And I think that's that's something that I I feel, certainly feel very fortunate with. And as a parent, that's something I carried forward. Is that I always read to my kids from well, with number one from when she was born, and number two from when we got him. 
that we you know we always made a point of reading before bed and it might be a story or it might be a couple of pages of a longer story but there was always that time to to do story time and it was right okay well i'm gonna read this but you read that bit back to me and, and doing it that way and i can't imagine doing it another way but that's the way i was brought up yeah look, yeah I, I, I can certainly appreciate that that wasn't always the case yeah definitely and, and like i said i'm not you know i'm not casting judgment on parents that didn't like oh, you know, I am. In some cases, yeah, they might have been in odd bins. In other cases, they might simply have been too busy fucking working, right, in order to pay for things for this child, right? So I'm not, I'm not sort of casting aspersions on people's parenting ability. I'm just simply saying, you know, quite simply, this as a, as a message transmission. Then, if you like, which is essentially what education is. Okay, you're transmitting yeah. the message to the child, and ideally, you want two way feedback so you can understand it's been learned and acknowledged. Yeah. And you can't get that from the TV. You just can't. No, absolutely not. No. You you just can't. It has to be part of a wider package. And I again, that's what this was trying to do. And you can see it oh, trying yeah, to do that. It just didn't quite understand yeah. it and pull it off, I think. I think yeah. it was trying I to mean, blaze a trail without really knowing where it was going. That's the issue. Yeah. And in all fairness, there's a quote on the, um, on the wiki page from an interview with Neil Innes um, from 2014. And he talks about the fact that he was approached to do this. He didn't want to, he, he was never really interested in kids' TV, but he, he, he got disillusioned with music and there was lots of stuff going on uh, after the Rattles film. And somebody approached him, somebody he used to know uh, from, from an earlier part of his life who worked for Yorkshire Television, and they asked if he'd be interested in coming to, do, to take part in what they, what they referred to as a reading, a reading program. So it wasn't a case of a TV show. It's not come and be an actor for a bit. It's we're doing this reading program for kids, starting starting with early years and working from stage one to stage five. Do you want to be part of that? And so even then, they were they weren't looking at it as a TV product. They were looking at it as a whole. Mm. And I think that's you're right. I think that's how it has to be viewed. Is that you have that you have your books on tape, you have your TV show, but you also have your book and your magazines or whatever else you had. Excuse me, that they've tried to sell this. Um, but yeah, it was always marketed as that, which I think is. Um, Again, coming back to where we started, it's very forward-thinking. You didn't have that type of stuff then. It is very forward-thinking, as I say. It's just unfortunate for me. It, it just doesn't quite pull that off, I don't think. And and that, like I said at the start as well, that's at the core, I think, of why I remember the books so very, very well. But I don't remember the TV show that well because my preference was always them. Um, yeah. Before we kind of sort of talk ourselves in a circle and, and wrap up, because I, I think we're kind of getting there, I do quickly want to talk about that theme tune as well because... Like, initially, I thought it was rubbish. That theme tune started. Yeah. I couldn't remember it at all. And I was like, again, this is all very fucking twee. And this sounds dreadfully 80s kids TV. Been yes. singing the fucking thing all day. To the point <laughs> where I caught myself this morning walking on Sing Now. And I couldn't... Like, I was like, what the fuck is this song? Because it, it's not that memorable. So I'm like, what is this no. song? What the fuck is it? And it wasn't until I watched another one at lunchtime today. I was like, fuck's sake. I've been singing the Puddle Lane theme tune all fucking day. Um, so it's clearly better than I gave it credit for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I did so. I put it on, so I watched a couple of episodes today, and I didn't recognise the theme tune. Um, it wasn't one that's sort of, it's it's not one that's even buried in deep in the recesses somewhere. I just didn't know it. Yeah, no, I which is quite unusual. Normally, when we when we go back to shows, you normally go, oh fuck, I remember that, mm. or it's one that's constantly there. But usually, the one that's sort of the deep seated ones go, oh yeah, of course I know that. Not a fucking speech. No, and I think, no recognition whatsoever. And I think that's the key to with this show, isn't it? Is this one that is just like, it's not one that you go, oh, I remember the TV show. You'll go, I remember the books. Yeah. Did you remember the TV show? No, probably not. You certainly didn't remember much about it if you did. So No, I, I remembered it existed, but I didn't remember... 
didn't remember the four. I, I do remember it existed. I remember there was a magician. Um, and I hadn't realized until Peron today that it was Neil Innes. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, fuck. Oh, I, I, knew, I knew it was Neil Innes because we were very, very specifically <laughs> reminded of that fact about two well, years yes, ago. We were, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that was kind of, like I said, I hadn't remembered. So when I came to it today, I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. No, no, no. So, yeah, so that was something. But yeah, I mean, I I think you're right, and I think that the difficulty with us doing this show is that because we look at we 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 generally don't look at things as a whole. We 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 tend to look at the product we no, we've come to look at. We look at the TV show or the movie, whatever it is. We don't necessarily look at it in, in its in terms of wider context. Um, and so looking at this as a package, as a learning tool, I think it's a lot more effective than it is as a TV show. Yes. And I think of the output you'd be got from this, be the TV show, the, the audio books and, and the books, I think the TV show is probably the least effective because, again, and again, you have it with, with language packages, so I can't remember if you did have it with, with the Puddle Lane um, audio books, but certainly a lot of audio books at the time, and uh, you could do it, and you do it with when you learn, you're learning through books and the Yolingophones and stuff like that is that you have that bit where you have a certain point and then it, it beeps or it makes a noise and you know to stop it. Mm-hmm. And then you repeat. And then once you've repeated, you press play and it's and then it repeats it again for you. And So, I mean, I know a lot of stuff from that time did have that form, but I can't remember if, if the audiobooks for um, Puddle Lane did that. But that seems like a more effective learning tool, as does reading it and being able to point out the, phonetic, the, the phonics of, of, of the words and stuff like that. That seems more effective than just sitting there and watching the magician go through it with Toby and, and Auntie Flo. And trying to set, trying to spell, no pun intended, trying to spell out exactly what's going on. And I think it's difficult to look at this in isolation without going, "What the fuck are they up to?" Agreed, agreed. It, it, on its own, it just doesn't work. That that's the problem. Looking at it now, back then maybe it did. Yeah. yeah. Looking at it and now. To be fair, no. To be fair, like I, said, I as I watched a handful of episodes today, haven't watched any before today, and I enjoyed it as a, as a knockabout show where you don't need to pay that much attention to it. It was fine. It's just. I said, looking at it in the broader context, it, it doesn't seem to do what it needs to. But it was fine. It was entertaining. I'm fairly sure if I'd put this in front of my kids when they were two or three, they'd have watched one or two and then gone to smash Transformers over my head or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was passable. It was fine. It just wasn't anything special, I think. And that's where that's, ki- I, that's kind of what I expected because ha- having more or less zero recollection of the show itself, other than the fact that it existed, I wasn't expecting it to be setting the world on fire. No. And it really didn't. No, I think I was hopeful that it would, just because I remembered the book so fondly. I was kind of hopeful that, even though I kind of forgotten about the show, I would just get the warm fuzzies from it. You know, suddenly I would like suddenly just remember this wonderful show that I loved yeah. as a kid. But that hasn't happened because, as it turns out, I did remember very little of it because clearly it didn't really have that big an impact. It, it, Puddle yeah. Lane as a concept did. Puddle Lane, the TV show. I'm afraid not. Um, and I know there are those of you out there who are going to disagree. We know yeah, you can disagree. And, look, you know, let us know why. Give us, you know, I, I think we've been very even-handed in this. I think we've been fair about it. But if there's something yeah, we're so. missing, as always, like, let us know. But to me, it just feels like, yeah, this just doesn't quite work, does it? No, some, something about it hasn't quite landed. Um, but, yeah, as I say, uh, let us know what you think on Twitter at SMPDPod. On our website, uh, ddpodcast.net, you can uh, pick up our other shows and previous episodes. You can leave comments for us as well. We get back to you on those. Wherever you get podcasts from, uh, subscribe, leave a message, or back to us if we can. Until next time. See you later. Mm-hmm.